I'm here with Professor Pim Capers uh, from Amsterdam, who's going to be talking about preventing depression. Um, and Simon Gilbody gave him a talk title, which was The Story So Far, 30 Years from Research. So, Pim, I was thinking, what happened 30 years ago? The Berlin Wall came down. Yeah, exactly. Um, we were mapping the genome. Right. Um, rave culture right. was kicking in. Yes. What's happened yeah. in psychological terms in 30 years? I think at that time the first randomized trials trial on preventing uh, depression was conducted in the U.S., by Professor Ricardo Munoz, who is here today. And that was the, actually the first ever trial to try to see whether we can actually can prevent the onset of new cases of mental disorders. And it, it, took, it took 10 more years before, before others picked up. So there were a few trials in the 1990s. Uh, but then it really went off in, uh, in the 2000s, uh, and even more the last decade. So 30 years ago, the first randomized trial, uh, the first real prevention trial was conducted. And a lot of your work has been summarizing that in systematic reviews and meta-analyses. Yeah, yeah, so what what yeah. do you feel we know? How certain are we that we can prevent depression? Well, I, uh, you, I, I talked about that a few times now, and um, I did a meta-analysis of preventing the onset of mental disorders, which was published in 2005. And at that, in that paper, we could include 13 trials across all mental disorders. So there was not so much research on prevention of mental disorders at all. And since then, uh, I mean, in depression, we now have probably more than 50 randomized trials. There are dozens of other trials in prevention of psychotic disorders, in prevention of eating disorders, in prevention of uh, post-traumatic stress disorders. So in 25 years, this whole field has exploded. And actually, I think this is one of the major accomplishments of uh, clinical psychology. Because in each of these fields, we, have, we can show that you can actually prevent the onset of mental disorders. And we, we are not, I, I feel we're almost ready to implement it in subfields. We have a long way to go. Um, uh, if we really want, and I will talk about that this afternoon, if we re really want to make an impact on the disease burden of depression, we have a long way to go. But in, I feel that in subfields, like in perinatal depression, in a specific uh, patient groups with general medical disorders like stroke patients or older uh, GP patients, I think we're almost ready to implement preventive interventions. And what should we be implementing first? Where's the evidence strongest? Uh, I think in perinatal depression there's a lot of evidence and in general medical care there's a lot of evidence. There is also evidence in schools but it's, that's a bit more diffuse, and it, it depends on the school, the, uh, what's happening in schools in general, uh, what type of program you use, and we're not certain how that really works. On general, we know it works, but the effect sizes are small, and so we don't know how to do that. So there are some subfields emerging where, we, where I think we are almost ready to start implementation. And obviously prevention is very attractive to public health people and to policymakers, you know, preventing something from happening in the first place. Yeah, yeah. There's a strong economic case for that. Do you think, what are the barriers to implementing this evidence? Do you think we're going to have the same 
15 year gap before we get this stuff actually into practice? Uh, The problem is that if you work with prevention, you work with people who are not patients. And so we will have to identify who benefits from these interventions, how we approach them, how we engage them. Not not everybody with subthreshold symptoms is willing to uh, to, to, uh, participate in a preventive interventions, preventive intervention to uh, prevent the onset of depression, because people say, "Well, I don't; f- these problems are not that serious. Uh, I can handle handle this myself. Um, I, it's caused by something that has happened in my life, and it will be over in a couple of months, which is usually true. So we are not sure how we can." Um, uh, and that's also what I will talk about. We will have to find, we know it works, but we will have to find other methods uh, uh, for engaging people and getting people into the interventions. We have to adapt our interventions so that they're acceptable and interesting for uh, uh, people who are at risk of developing a, a depressive disorder. Yeah. And you spoke about psychosis and eating disorders yeah. earlier. Does yeah. it not make sense to prioritize preventative interventions for those groups where the mortality risk is much higher and where the impact of the illness on society is much greater? Uh, I don't think you can uh, compare them in that way. I mean, prevention of psychotic disorders obviously is, uh, is highly important. But the group is very small. So the, the, the public health impact is very small. And it's, I mean, in Holland, we have implemented this in, a, in, in mental health, in most places in mental health care, that we screen all young people who come into specialized mental health care to rate their uh, risk for developing a psychotic disorder and then get them a preventive intervention. Uh, but fortunately, uh, psychotic disorders are not that highly prevalent. And so the impact on a public health level is not that big. And that's different for uh, for depression and also for anxiety disorders. Yeah. So the biggest uh, 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 public health in impact, I still think that's in depression and anxiety. And as somebody who's been working in this field of prevention for well over a decade now, you've seen the changes, you've seen how people react when you start talking about prevention. What do you think needs to happen now for us to get over this last hurdle and to actually start doing this? in practice? Well, actually in Holland, prevention was uh, high on the agenda for 30 years. And we had a whole infrastructure for prevention of depression also across the whole country. So we had a whole system of preventive services that were available for anybody in the community without any costs to participate in preventive services. That was cut down uh, when uh, mental health care became too expensive. Uh, but we, there is quite some experience in how to do that. And it's not that complicated. It's not so expensive. Um, what I see is like for in the UK, there is now a lot of interest in prevention. But that has been in many other countries there for, I think, quite longer. Yeah, I think the UK is the exception here. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that we're not the first. <laughs> Good luck with the talk. Really interesting Thank stuff. You.